Tuesday, November 7th, 2019. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Folk Runyon. And tonight we present a discussion on the scientific technology behind modern ceremonial magic and reveal for the first time a device that I developed in the early 1970s for training students to make use of the Truxler effect, that spatial reflection distortion in a dark mirror or the Bloody Mary effect in common terms, uh, for, mar- for magical spirit evocation. Now, this device is called the Zero Light, and it was based on U.S. Army battlefield research, and it is so sensitive to human willpower that it can respond to nonverbal telepathic commands in group practice. Now, we stopped using it in the late 1970s, but in recent years, we have encountered students who subconsciously override the Troxler effect in the mirror, even when they consciously want it to work for them. And so we're going back to zero light training for second degree candidates. And so if your spirit doesn't want to show up for you, then listen in and we'll tell you how to solve the problem. Uh, we're going to be joined tonight by Friar uh, Sipmeth. Uh, okay, for new listeners and non-OTA members, this presentation requires a review of the magical evocation process and how and why it works before we get into zero light. Nas Troxler discovered Bloody Mary in 1804, and so we can call the effect scientific, but the effect has been with us for well over 10,000 years, or at least as long as we've been using mirrors. And many generations of teenagers have conjured Bloody Mary on Halloween. So let us visit an Internet article on Bloody Mary to get the popular perspective. Now, this is an article from Brain Myths and Science by Emily Petsko, titled, Bloody Mary and Why We Think We See Things in Mirrors. And Emily Emily says, as a child, one of the surest ways to prove your courage to all the other kids at the slumber party was to march into a dimly lit room. It was almost always a bathroom for some reason. Stare at your face in the mirror and repeat the words, Bloody Mary, 13 times. According to legend, a woman would suddenly appear in the mirror and scratch your face off, or perhaps even kill you. Different iterations of this game exist around the world. Alternate versions say the mysterious mirror woman goes by the name of Mary Worth or Kathy or some other version, or the devil himself makes an appearance. Of course, no ghosts or demons ever actually appeared. But that didn't stop us from running out of the bathroom screaming, convinced that we saw a twisted or bloodied face looking back at us. Even as adults, our minds sometimes play tricks on us. We may get spooked after thinking we see something in the mirror while getting ready for work or brushing our teeth. And even though we are rational beings and we understand that nothing is there, it turns out that there's a perfectly logical explanation for this. The longer you stare at a mirror, the more likely you are to start seeing things that aren't there. Even if you haven't been forewarned that something ghastly will appear, this is partly due to a phenomenon called the Troxler effect, 
When you stare at the same object for a prolonged period of time, there comes a point when your brain adapts or gets used to unchanging stimuli. As a result, your neurons cancel the information out, and the image often appears blurry, faded, or distorted until you blink or look around. Likewise, if you gaze into your own eyes in front of a mirror, your whole face will start to look strange if you look at it long enough. This is just one of the many ways your brain can trick you and distort your vision. It's actually an important coping mechanism, though. As live science puts it, if you couldn't ignore the steady hum of your computer monitor, the constant smell of your own body odor, or the nose jutting out in the front of your face, you'd never be able to focus on the important things, like whether or not your boss is standing right behind you. Another part of the phenomenon is the recently described strange face in the mirror illusion. Italian psychologist Giovanni Caputo conducted an experiment in 2010 in which people were asked to enter a dimly lit room and look at their reflection in the mirror for 10 minutes. Afterwards, they were asked to report what they saw. Of the 50 test subjects, 66% reported seeing huge deformations of their face, and 48% saw fantastical and monstrous beings. Others described seeing the face of a parent, some of whom were deceased, the face of an animal, or the face of an old woman or child. Humans in general have a remarkable ability to see faces in everyday objects, from clouds to trees to pieces of toast. So it makes sense that dim lighting and visual tricks could cause people to see another face of some kind. In addition, when an image is distorted, your brain draws from past experiences and expectations to fill the gaps. Hence, the death. Hence we get the dead relatives. Interesting, interestingly, the same effect can also be obtained during eye-to-eye gazing between two individuals. Caputo tells uh, causes mental flaws. In fact, this intersubjective gazing produced an even higher number of strange faces seen by test subjects, according to another experiment conducted by Caputo in 2013. So we've ruled out the presence of mirror monsters, but what about Bloody Mary? The origin of this particular mirror game could seem to be related to to Bloody Mary I, who served as Queen of England in the 16th century. But folklorists are not convinced of that. That the figure goes by multiple names, such as Mary Worth, Mary Worthingham, Worthington, Mary Lou, etc., and of course, uh, remember Clive Barker's uh, Candyman, suggests against a real person as the inspiration. Psychoanalysts have proposed that the game has to do with young girls at the onset of menstruation. Others have noted earlier analogies of the game, including Robert Burns' poem, where he explained that if you take a candle and go alone to a looking glass, eat an apple before it, and some traditions say you could comb your hair at the same time, you will see over your shoulder the face of the person you'll marry. And some psychoanalysts have even proposed an importance of this homophone, Mary, Mary. But as far as we know, no one has ever actually appeared in a mirror to confirm what or who Bloody Mary is about.
Thanks, Emily. But you're very wrong about your last assumption. Dark mirror apparitions have been communicating with shamans, witch doctors, yogis, magicians, and mystics for thousands of years. Ceremonial magicians have used mirrors since the Dark Ages to summon demons. Seco Deoscoli, if I need to mention one. Indian tantrics have used it to call up the visions of previous incarnations. That was our source for it, which we'll read later. And West African juju men use it to communicate with their ancestors. Amork, ancient mystic order of the Rosy Cross, used it in their neophyte program, but they moved it to Zalabar because it scared the newbies. So it has been around a long time, but it is easy to understand why it would be used to conjure previous incarnations or ancestors, the image being one's own face. But why use it for gods and demons? Well, the answer is that the ancients did not understand the technique when their faces blocked out and their face appeared. They had no idea that they were seeing a distortion of their own reflection. One, one Arab magician wrote that a mist arose in the mirror, and when it cleared, the spirit appeared. Later magicians, following the secret teachings of Hermes Trismegistus, realized that all spirits are present in the human microcosm. And, as Aleister Crowley finally declared, the 72 spirits of the Goetia are portions of the human brain. He should have said the human mind. I first encountered this phenomenon in Tantra, the Yoga of Sex, by Omar Garrison, 1965. I will read a transcription of the Tantric ritual employing this technique. And Garrison calls this the seventh discipline. Sit erect upon a chair in front of a mirror large enough to reflect your head and shoulders. A lighted candle should be placed beside the mirror in such a way that it illuminates the glass but is not reflected in it. There should be no other light in the room. After a moment of complete relaxation, in which you try to withdraw consciousness into yourself, begin to breathe gently and rhythmically to the 7171 count employed in the previous disciplines. Perform 12 complete cycles of this pranayama, and then remain a moment or two and that is breathing very softly through both nostrils, never filling the lungs more than one-eighth full. Now form the mudra of integration with the right hand by closing the last two fingers and folding the thumb down across them, leaving the middle and index fingers outstretched. Place the hand held in this mudra palm down over the heart and the two outstretched fingers pointing toward the left side of the body. As the heartbeat is felt beneath this hand, mentally repeat the seat syllable and with each throb. That is to say, would be joined to the systolic pulsation and to the dystolic. However, it is not necessary to be too exact. You simply join om to the beat and hum to the next. These syllables are said to open the heart, permitting uh, the, the, the sadhana to enter it. Repeat them 21 times and then close your eyes. From the left hand into the same mudra as the right, with it cover the right hand. Then slowly withdraw the right hand, leaving the left in its place over the heart. The extended two fingers of the left will of course, be pointing in the opposite direction, toward the right side of the body. 
With eyes still closed, imagine your conscience penetrating the interior of the heart. It is visualized as an arched cavern, filled at first with billowing clouds of red mist. Gradually, these part, and the radiant figure appears surrounded by an aura of golden light. Mentally, you seek to commune with this luminous being, which is your deepest self. To it, you fervently address your petition for a deeper understanding, a momentary glimpse into the timeless mystery of being and becoming. As you thus meditate in profound silence and rapture, the golden person dissolves once more into the red mist, but now the cavern vibrates to its chiming note, a pure mantric sound which gradually merges into silence. The left-hand mudra is now replaced with the right, the right one once more, reversing the procedure previously followed. This done, open your eyes, gaze earnestly, but with detachment at your reflection in the mirror. This should be done without blinking or moving the eyes. Presently, as you stare steadily into the mirror, you will see your image dissolve or disappear suddenly. You will be looking at an empty glass. Do not start to reason about this or allow your gaze to waver. If you persevere another face, Sometimes a succession of faces will supersede the familiar visage you are accustomed to seeing. When you look into the mirror, the new face will be the likeness of one of your past lives upon the earth. Study it carefully. Leave your mind open to the intuitive awareness of its message and connection with your present embodiment. When the eyes begin to fill with tears, terminate the discipline by simply intoning the syllable OM, drawing it out until the final vibration is inaudible. In practicing this discipline, the student is urged to bear in mind that its purpose is not to satisfy idle curiosity. Rather, it is used for healing of the mind and body by the moment's, uh, by the moment's revelation, which overcomes temporarily and lays bare to him the eternal presence. That moment vanishes, but it is an all-illuminating power which endures. Now, I might mention that uh, I might mention that much of the yoga, our version of it, will be found in our Hermetic Yoga book. But much of the ritual involved in that is actually, in our case, is is the Solomonic ritual that we that we use. But the uh, the Trachter effect is is definitely uh, definitely present in, in our disciplines now. Of course, in a Western setting, we would use a more Kabbalistic ritual. We'd put the spirit sigil on the mirror, and most importantly, evoke the spirit in the proper sphere. And if you use the mirror method to evoke your previous incarnations or ancestors Kabbalistically, then you should operate in the sphere of Malkuth. Otherwise, if you you want to summon spirits, especially wedding spirits, you operate on your side. I might also mention that if you want the spirit to speak to you or through you using your own voice, then you should practice self-hypnosis. If you can carry on a conversation with your subconscious and have it answer you in a self-hypnotic session, you are preparing yourself for channeling. You are becoming a real magician. All this is covered in the Book of Solomon's Magic and in our video, The Magic of Solomon. Compared 
to elaborate tantras and yogas and Franz Barden's system. Our evocation method is fairly easy. It's fairly easy discipline to master. And over the last 50 years, we have trained hundreds of magicians. Our success owes much to the exploration of the Traxler effect, both in evocation and invocation. However, we have some students who subconsciously override the visual distortions and can see nothing but their own reflections in the dark mirror. Knowing that the effect was virtually mechanical or biomechanical, I lost patience with these students, and yet I still wondered what we might be doing wrong in their training. Now, reviewing the early 1970s, when we began our training, I recalled that we had introduced our beginning students to the Troxler effect with a device I had created based on a night vision training class I had attended at Advanced Infantry School back in the 1960s. The instructor was smoking a cigarette on the podium. The lights in the classroom went out. It was pitch dark, and all we could see was the point of light from the instructor's cigarette. He told us to concentrate on the point of light. And as we did so, the light began to rise, up and up and up and almost to the ceiling. Then the house lights came back on, and we saw that the captain was still standing at the podium smoking the same cigarette. He did not refer to this as the Troxler effect, but he did explain the physical biomechanics of the process. The apparent movement of the light was caused by a depletion of a chemical called visual purple in the photoreceptor rod cells of the retina of the human eye causing a change of focus and the illusion of movement. The object of the demonstration was to show that a light in darkness may not be where you think you see it. He went on to explain that blue light, especially aircraft exhaust, was very difficult to estimate the range of. Yeah, that's off. You couldn't estimate the distance away, especially of an aircraft. I remembered what I had learned in this class when I read about the samadhi lamp and Ramutri Mishra's Fundamentals of Yoga. And, of course, we built a samadhi lamp, which we refer to in the Book of Solomon's Magic. This is a luminous blue dot in the center of a black circle surrounded by a blue halo. Staring at it will eventually produce a meditative trance state. Combining this with what I had learned in the Army, I created the Zero Light. Now, the Zero Light is a very simple device. It is basically a modification of a plug-in nightlight. You cover the green luminous rosette of the nightlight with a blue filter, and then you surround it with a black mask so that you have a black square or with a circular blue dot. Mount the device on the wall or on a wall at eye level. Seat your students facing the zero light. Turn off the lights in the room. When you see the blue dots start to rise, begin to verbally command it. Go up, go up, 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 up. And when it reaches its height, then command it to go to the right and then down. Ask the students how it is moving for them. Invite them to command the light. Then, as a final experiment, ask one of them to fight against the movement silently as another commands the light to rise verbally. This demonstrates that willpower controls the effect. It also demonstrates bioelectric telepathy. One person's willpower can override the effect for a whole group. We used to engage in zero-light battles. This is a sort of Wi-Fi brain network, but most importantly, it introduces students to the Troxler effect and how it can be manipulated by suggestion and impeded by denial. 
In the 1980s, we stopped using the zero light because a totally dark facility was not available in our daytime class schedule. I now realize that this was a mistake. The Troxler effect is a gift from God that enables us to communicate with angels and spirits. We must learn to get the most out of it, not fight against it. In this noble effort, the little zero light can be a helpful teacher. And I will post a blog on the subject on our website. Max, are you there? Max, yeah, I'm here. There? I'm here. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, Prater said that. Uh, okay, that that uh, that concludes the script. So, uh, uh, do you want to you want to uh, talk a little bit about zero light? Well, um, you've you've explained it very admirably. Um, I can talk about my experience with how it uh, how it is assisting me um, in that. I, I am one of the, the students who have caused you perpetual frustration in regards to my subconscious inability to uh, allow the Troxler effect to, to work fully. Um, and I can definitely describe uh, my experience with what it feels like to have that subconscious, if that would help. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have in recent days had a great deal more success with it for a couple of reasons. But originally, the what would happen is I would stare at my own reflection, and for me, I could make my face disappear really easily. Like, I could almost will my face to vanish. But for some reason, which I think there's, there's some kind of unconscious, subconscious mechanism, like a firewall in my brain, only my own reflection would reappear. I couldn't get a different face in the mirror to appear, and I, I know because I've, I've recent success, uh, interesting uh, anecdotal success uh, with the Troxler effect, but it's only been recent. And my previous experiences with it were all unfortunate failures. And it just felt like my brain was firing some kind of emergency switch, almost like it was, it, it was I don't know, almost like, I don't know. I don't know whether it's the brain was it's some kind of subconscious fear from long ago or something that came from childhood. I, I have no idea where it came from, but it felt like the brain was just flipping a switch and and almost like reflecting and preventing the effect. Like almost like it's it's putting everything in reverse at the at the, at the moment where something should happen, it just peels it back. Um, and it's, it has always been a deep frustration of mine that I've been, you know, I can get, I can easily get to that point where I make my face disappear, and then bam, it just sort of kicks in, and it, and it, uh, and my own face reappears. And when we were doing zero light um, very recently, um, one of the things that I noticed is I could, when, when, when that sort of that cancellation, that abnegation happened with a mirror reflection. I couldn't quite tell the right, the same, the point, the point at which it kicked in. I couldn't feel it kicking in. But when we were doing the zero light, I could absolutely feel like a gear change, almost like I actually felt the exact program in my brain firing to attempt to negate the, the movement of the zero light. And it tries to readjust my vision to dissolve the trance state that I'm trying to enter into. And because I can feel that gear change, I can, it's, I guess you could say, I can actually begin to develop a resistance to the resistance. When that, that certainly is a, 
that's a sea change for me because it's it's exciting for me because it means that finally I can I have uh, a, a, a pathway to attempt to get this to work fully like fully for me. Um, so I I think the zero light practice it's it's an, it's absolutely wonderful. Well, I think that that, that as I said I I, uh, I gave it up. Because quite frankly, it was it was too. We we were doing classes, uh, you know, after uh, the middle 1970s. We we started doing classes in the daytime, and it was just too damn hard to 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 get to completely to seal the temple up, uh, to make it make it absolutely light tight, uh, you know, and 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 especially in summertime. I mean, you know, the bright sunlight outside and all that. And so uh, we we I I I, I kind of you know I kind of. Rationalized it, and I said, "Oh well, you know, the trucks if it worked, it'll always work, you know, and uh, we don't need this." And we got the Samadhi lamp, and we still, we still use that, and and uh, that that's good enough. We don't need to use zero light anymore. And and uh, and what I should have, and what I should have done was 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 uh, invested in some really good blackout drapes, and and kept kept doing zero light. By the way, another thing. Uh, that I wanted to mention about uh, the, the training, uh, training to use your eyes magically, is that uh, zero light and, 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 and the Troxler effect is to some degree related to uh, the, the flashing colors effect, the, the reflex, the reflex action of, of, of colors, which, which I'm sure everybody listening is aware of. This, this is very, very magical, and, and a lot of, lot of magical orders, uh, the Golden Dawn. But you know the Golden Dawn didn't start it. Actually, uh, uh, Randolph uh, started it in the Brotherhood of Luxor way back before the Golden Dawn did, using the flashing colors. Now, in case uh, in case uh, there are some people listening who don't really understand that, every prime, especially primary colors, all colors have a reflex. And if you stare, let's let's say, for instance, if you stare at a red pentagram, you keep staring at it. And then you uh, then you look or look away to a white surface. Let's say you're going to see in the after image you're going to see a green pentagram uh, because green bright green is the reflex of of, of red. And uh, so consequently, uh, we we use uh, we use these uh, these reflex combinations. Uh, for magical talismans and Nokian tablets, uh, and they are especially useful in another Eastern system which we've adopted called the Tatwas. And the Tatwas are cards with symbols on them that are the, using these flashing colors, which we use as gateways uh, to enter the inner planes, or what we refer to as the insert dimension, cannibalistically. And and this does this. Uh, there's uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't quite know the science on this, but I know there is a relationship between uh, between uh, the Troxler effect and, and and you know the rod and cone cells in the, in the retina of the eyes and the reflex in the reflex color uh, system. And the, so reflex and the Golden Dawn did train did train with reflex colors. They didn't. They they did train with that. But of course, they didn't use the Troxler effect for for, uh, for dark mirrors or crystals. And also, I like to mention that uh, that uh, with a crystal ball, we definitely use the uh, use the Troxler effect uh, with a with a crystal ball. But however, 
It is not necessary when you're conjuring angels. It is not necessary to have an anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic picture of the angel, either their face, their body, their ways, and all of that. You can if you want. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not. I'm, and a lot of people do uh, because you know the Troxler effect will sometimes give you uh, um, what we what we used to call off-face uh, manifestations. However, you'll get. If you stare, as you stare at the crystal ball on the altar with the smoke coming up through the slots or on the altar, as you stare at it, it will it will develop. It will it will staring at it will produce the Troxler effect on the ball, and this is especially good if you have a rock crystal ball that has a lot of light gathering capability. And then you'll get this halo around the ball, and you'll get this beautiful uh, this beautiful electric blue. Uh, halo and, and this golden light, and then it's literally what Tom Rudd said 500 years ago: uh, this beautiful hieroglyphical show around the crystal, uh, and and uh, and that then then you are in the presence of the angel, but the angel has arrived, and and uh, if you've done your self hypnosis training. And I can say, uh, I can say, Frederick Smith, does the angel speak through you? And the angel will use your voice and, 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 and will speak through you. And, uh, but, as I said, even though it is some people get, get actual anthropomorphic uh, visions of the angel uh, in the ball this way, but it's not necessary. However, you will get the, you will get the Troxler effect with the, uh, with the aura and the halo around the ball. You want to talk about that that a little bit? Well, when uh, invoking angels, um, it it definitely, for me, is a very different experience, that's for sure. Um, I feel things um, when an angel comes, um, very, very significant and consistent things. Like my forehead, my forehead thrums and makes this weird kind of pulsing, tapping sensation on my third eye. Um, And despite the fact that I've always had difficulty with the Troxler effect, that specifically has not really been an issue when invoking angels uh, for me personally, uh, because I can feel I'm kind of still, I can still enter into a trance state and channel what is being, what is being delivered and what is being spoken. And I know that we've had many sessions where um, I can, I can, I can feel and I can, can, basically I can feel what someone is, what the angel is saying and then the other person who's channeling will actually say exactly what I'm feeling it saying. Um, So that, that, uh, yeah, it's a, that is a particularly powerful, wonderful experience. Um, I'm not sure whether that answers your question, but I hope it does. Well, you know, though, uh, one of the the problems that we, that we have had, uh, not so much with our students because uh, uh, the the student basically wants to they they want this whole thing to work and they 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 want it to work mm. so they try so so as I said that I'm I am uh, are you still there Yeah I'm here Oh good I just heard a little beep on the phone and I wasn't sure Anyway uh, the uh, uh, the thing that 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 that, uh, that I have to con- continually explain uh, to uh, people about this this method is that they 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 believe that it negates the the transpersonal nature of the spirit and you have to 
you know, you have to patiently explain hermetic philosophy to them and then explain to them that, yeah, well, we all have, we all have uh, these spirits, like, for instance, uh, uh, you know, as Crowley said, the, the spirits of the glacier are portions of the human brain. He should have said mind. Uh, and, and, and Lon Duquette uh, made the wonderful statement that we all come hardwired with 12 six-packs of glacier spirits. Yeah. And, and, and so, consequently, consequently if, if we conjure... If we conjure Baal or or or, or Astaroth in the uh, in the, uh, the the dark mirror, we're not just getting our own Baal uh, or our own Astaroth. We're getting we're getting a spirit that is it's like a colony animal. It's linked it's linked to millions and millions and millions of other of other similar spirits and other people and in, in other minds because the mind is is. Uh, the human mind is, uh, is is a universal thing, and and uh, if 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 you're a microcosm of the of the greater universe, then then uh, then you're united to everybody else's microcosm of the greater universe, and so uh, these these uh, these ancient spirits. There are Jungian archetypes, or if you want to call them fragments of the shadow in the Jungian sense, you can do that, but. But they are, you are contacting a larger entity. It isn't just, it isn't just the, 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 the entity in you. It's the entity in everybody who, who has the entity, you know. And, and uh, this is something that's very difficult. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. No, we're getting some kind of, some kind of an interfer- interference anyway. But uh, uh, I... Um, it's just difficult to try to explain this to some people because, you know, they want the floor to crack open and, and, and demons to come up smoking and out of the crack in the floor and they want angels to come down through a hole in the ceiling. Uh, and and they, 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 all of these things have got to be, have got to be completely outside of, 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 uh, uh, you know, of, of the human, the human mind. But, the thing that is so sad about this is, is even if they were completely outside of the human mind, the human mind is the receiver. The human mind receives uh, receives the intelligence and the and 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 and, and the vision of the uh, of the entity, and and uh, so we 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 try to struggle with these people that uh, they they you know they they. They want the Hollywood version of it. They literally want the, you know, the Florida, as I said, they literally want the Florida crack open or the or the ceiling to open up, and that doesn't happen that way. Uh, and surprisingly enough, we have some we have some writers and publishers of magical books, and I'm not going to mention their names, but uh, I think you know who I'm talking about, and who actually support this 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 uh, this very juvenile attitude uh, when it comes to spirits and, and, and all. They support it because they feel that, and I, I, I'm convinced that they, they think if they don't support it, that they're going to lose, uh, lose their, their uh, you know, their, their customer base. Uh, their, their customers almost insist on it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, so this is constantly frustrating. Uh, as I said, but, but the, uh, the Troxler effect, as I said, is a gift. It's a gift from God 
it should not be negated or people shouldn't shouldn't uh try to overcome it they should they should they if they're if they're interested in in receiving you know, you know and talking in contacting the spirit world then they should then they should embrace it and they should uh, work with it um i'm kind of sermonizing a little bit here so i'll, I'll let you take over and, and uh and uh <laughs> for, for a bit and 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 uh and uh and you know to tell us Tell us what you what you think about the about the uh, you know the spirits and their about their abilities. That? Yeah, well, um, well, I think one of the things that um, I think when talking about the Troxler effect, that people who are, who make that kind of uh, you know, if it can be scientifically explained, it's not the kind of magic that I want. You know, the people who if if, if conventional science touches it, they don't want to touch it anymore. Um, they, it takes the wonder out of it for them. They want something that is truly magical, truly sets them apart in some special way that, you know. But one of the things that I think people need to be aware of is that while staring at one's face in a mirror and having the face disappear, that is that, that's a mechanical thing. And then having a distorted version of your own face appear, that is also a mechanical thing that happens in the brain when it comes to facial recognition and the way the mind focuses. But what science cannot explain, at least yet, is why wholly unhuman faces can appear in instead of your own face. Completely inhuman, completely different. And people who've experimented with this in scientific and clinical studies will attest that they see truly inhuman, monstrous faces appear in the stead of their own. And that is that is beyond any theory that science has, cap- has, has so far been able to suggest. Any clinical psychologists who've studied this have, are absolutely bewildered as to why that wholly unhuman faces can appear instead of your own face when the effect takes effect. Um, so I think people need to keep that in mind. But I, I have a, a rather funny story about, uh, uh, about the uh, Troxler effect that I, I, I recently remembered that happened to me. And I remember I was lying in bed um, looking out the window. So this is sort of more of an accidental zero light experience that I had. And it's kind of funny. I remember lying in bed, staring out the window, and between the branches of a tree, I saw a star. I saw this point of light in the sky, and I just sort of relaxed and looked at it. And all of a sudden, it seemed to suddenly rise, went up. I was like, what? What is that? And then it appeared to go down. Is that no? That's that's not a UFO. What's what's going on? Then it moved to the right, and then it it seemed to move to the left. It never it never shot off, you know, like you say see in some of these UFO things. It just sort of rose up and then down and then up and then right and then left and then down. And it freaked me out so much that I ran to the other room and I got up my girlfriend at the time who was sleeping in another bed. And I, was, I shook her awake. I'm like, I need you to come and see something. I need you to come and see something. And she got up half naked. And I dragged her out of bed. And we sat there in my bed. And we both looked at this. And I'm like, you see it? You see it? She's like, yes, I see it. And then we stared at it. And she's like, oh, it's moving. I'm, I'm seeing it move. And I'm like, yeah, see, it seems to go up slightly and then down. And, and then, then I sort of realized, wait a second. In relation to the tree, is it actually... And then I sort of did a test, and I said, I just saw it move. What direction did you see it move in? 
And she said, well, I saw it move too. I saw it move to the left. I went, well, no. I actually did not see it move just then. I was tricking you. I am tricking us both. I have wasted your time. I'm sorry. I thought it was a UFO. You can probably go back to bed. And she grumbled and she stumbled off back to bed. And it just, it puzzled me. This this strange effect puzzled me and made me think I saw a UFO for real. But no, it was just a star in a very dark sky between some tree branches. It it fooled me. And it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, you think it actually, you, you, you think it actually moved as a result of Troxler effect. Well, I think it moved similar to the way the zero light did. And it did. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it moved up and down. It was sort of sudden movement, uh, but yeah. it was, that was also partially because of the movement of my eyes while I was trying to focus. So it was like, yeah. the, the, because it was so far away and so small, but yeah. along with the effect of it, of, it, of it shifting under the focus, it was exacerbated by the micro actions of my eyes trying to yeah. keep and maintain focus on it. And so I think that's, and I, I also have to say, um, one of my other experiences, which sounds almost exactly like the uh, the ritual you described, where uh, you stare in a black surface to get a series of faces flash before you, this also somewhat accidentally happened to me as well. I and I, I find it really really tantalizing that you mentioned that the first step in that ritual was a breathing technique, because That's right. I find that I find that. When I do a, uh, a bit of pranayama or a Wim Hof breathing method to oxygenate my brain, I find that doing any of these things is much, much, much more accessible. It's almost like other areas of my brain have been switched on and the habitual overriding isn't as taking place. And I remember sitting, looking at my computer screen. So what I did was I'd, I had uh, been listening to the, a guided version of the breathing technique and it lasted for about 15 minutes. So, of course, my computer screen went into black mode. You know, it, it, the screen went off as a screen-saving mechanism. So it became a default black mirror. And the lighting in the room was dim. And I'd, I'd been doing this breathing technique, and I'd really thoroughly oxygenated myself. And then I just, because I felt really good after doing the technique, I just sat there and looked at my mirror, and my face started to fade. And a whole series of other faces started to appear. And one of them. That's what it sounds What? No, I was just saying one of, one of them is most was most definitely not anything to do with my face. It was like a sub-Saharan African face. The nose was different. The facial structure was completely different, and it was just a, I, my jaw just absolutely dropped. Now this sounds like Dantelian. And uh, Dantelian, you know, is the uh, is this is, is one of the spirits in the in the Goetia. Uh, toward the end of the Shemi Hamparash in the Goetia, uh, that, that has a number of faces. And when he appears, he's holding a book, and he has a whole, like a fan of, of, of different faces. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like you were, to, uh, like you were to, uh, to lay out a fan of cards, you know. And there's all these different faces of Dantelian. And <laughs> uh, what kind of... What uh, Dan Pellian, uh actually uh, for a while he had a website, and and you could go to Dan Pellian's website. Of course, you know I'm not going to say that Dan, that, <laughs> I'm not going to say it was a, it was yeah. a, the website was an illusion, but but somebody 
somebody under Dentalian's influence have created a website for him. And and uh, I don't think it's it's still up, but well, you you, you can go ahead and look for it. But uh, anyway, uh, this has been a, a very very uh, fascinating discussion, and 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 I think that that people who really really want to want to do this uh, do this work, uh, the kind of work we do, and of course the reason why we published the book of Solomon's Magic and did the video to show everybody how to do this was because. Uh, we got uh, our our method, which we kept secret for years and years and years. We kept this this whole process secret, and then we got ripped off by a major publisher, and they published it. So we decided uh, that we decided that if that was going to happen, well, especially when they made a when they made a supermarket paperback, a little little mm-hmm. a little pamph a little pamphlet on how to how to summon spirits in the dark mirror, and based on this guy's book. And I said, at that point, I said, well, we're going to blow it. Yeah, we're going to blow it all out and teach people how to do it the right way, which we did. So we made a video and then wrote a book on it. And those are both were both still available. Uh, you know, the, the the Magic of Solomon has been uh, been pirated and reprinted uh, and re re uh, uh, yeah, as a D, uh, as a DVD video that's, that's available, and I think it's available on YouTube and, and com- complete mm-hmm. and, and uh, several several collections uh, of it. Uh, Reality Entertainment has has several versions, which we've authorized. Uh, so they we're not calling that we're not, the, the reality entertainment's uh, uh, versions are authorized, and uh, so that's available. And the Book of Solomon's Magic has gone through something like seventeen printings by now. Started out in 1996, and so all of this material can can be uh, can be purchased on Amazon. And of course, if you if you join the uh, the associate member program, our, our our associate member program, you get discounts on all this material, and. Uh, and including lessons and and what have you, so uh, and also I would like to right right now I would like to say that our latest release our latest release is available on Amazon is called Adamson's Quest and Shamgar the Purple Dragon and this is uh, it's, it's a path working novel and and a, and a novel based on the Book of Judges. Uh, and I would encourage everybody. We need to get the sales up on that one. So I would encourage everybody. If you enjoyed this show tonight and you want to learn more about this, uh, yeah, please, please uh, go on Amazon and and uh, and order a copy of Adamson's Quest and Shamgar the Purple Dragon. I know you're going to enjoy it. Anyway, Professor uh, Max, uh, thanks. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. And uh, sharing Anytime. your experiences, uh, showing your experience, sharing your experiences with us. And uh, and next week we'll be back again at the same time, the same station, with more of the secrets of the magical art. And until then, good magic, and we'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.